From True Africa, I'm Claude Renitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're asking, why don't artists get more respect? Parents, you know, or, you know, the older generation don't really embrace creativity on the continent. So I think it's now necessary for Africans to become the biggest promoters of Africa. Things are shifting. Thanks to the social media, thanks also to to a curiosity, an increased curiosity. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scenefire Foundation. One of the worst things I think you could ever say to a typical African parent is, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be an accountant. I want to be an artist. Mic drop. Artists have never been granted the same status as other professions in Africa. Even though musicians, painters, filmmakers, and designers have a huge influence on the way the world sees Africa. I wanted to find out why that is, and if it's time things changed. I talked to an investor in the creative industries, a museum director, and a DJ, and I asked them, isn't it time for Africans to respect artists? My first guest is Sonia Lawson. She's the director of the Palais de Lomé, Togo's first art center. She thinks it's really important to exhibit local artists where their family and local community can see and appreciate their art. So how do you think we can get Africans to change their mindset and respect those who choose to work in creative industries? Well, I'm not, I don't think it's specific to Africans to, that, to have that kind of, uh, uh, I would say, African family to, to have that kind of mindset. I had this conversation also with artists from, uh, Europe, from France or other countries. Some of them, when they said that they, they told their family what they wanted to do and that they wanted to be artists, the reaction weren't always that of the excitement or encouraging the, uh, the, 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 the teenage or the young adult to, to, to pursue in that path. So I don't think it's really specific to Africa. What we can do as an institution is to exhibit the artist because being exhibited in, a, in an institution gives you credibility also to your family. So not only to your peers, but also to your family. So it can be from a very personal point of view. It can be also a source of pride to be exhibited and see, and for the family to see that other people appreciate your work. So I had conversations with artists that we exhibited, and some telling me, well, you know, you can't imagine the sensations I feel to be exhibited here and have my family come over because they didn't believe in my art at the beginning. So to see that here, is, it's a species of achievement and of pleasure so that it, it gives me credibility. Because going to exhibitions was not something that was part of the day-to-day activity in many families, right? The majority of the families, no, no matter the social background, it, it's only a, a rare uh, number of people that, uh, that were exposed to art before. Do you think it's changing? It's shifting. Things are shifting. Thanks to the social media, thanks also to, to a curiosity, an increased curiosity. So I see a new generation of Togolese uh, with a high level of curiosity. Uh, let me tell you something. It's, it's a small story of one of the artists exhibited, Eloge Clélé. He's working in clay, and he was telling me that when he began, art and 
sculpture, drawing has always been his passion. He liked to, to, to draw cars, scooters, Vespa. And he, as a child? As a child, exactly. He liked to do that. His mother was telling him, you know, it's useless. Try to get a job that will make you be able to buy cars and buy scooters. So he said that when he, were, when he sold his first artworks and was able actually to get a scooter, he told his mother, you see, I drove them, and thanks to that, I managed to have a real one. <laughs> That's a great story. So out of my art, I managed to do also something that you, you, you wanted me to do. And what has been the response to the work you've been doing at the Palais de Lomé? Well, curiosity, understanding, uh, it depends on the audience. So, you, you know, we have schools and children coming over. So for the teenagers and children, it's just a new world that opens to them. And they are, they are enthusiastic. The grown-ups, they, they, they feel that the works are connected to themes that speaks to them. For instance, uh, environment, recycling. So it depends on the, on the, the work exhibited. The, one of our exhibitions was showcasing everyday objects that were transformed into work of art. So it was the artworks from everyday objects, for instance, plastic gallons, or animal bowls can be transformed into artworks. So it was very interesting to see the reaction of the public because it was new for them to see that some, something that they think they know can be transformed through the work of artists into something else. When you were speaking about the respect of the artist, right. what, what I think would be relevant is also to bring uh, people to learn about their own culture. So one of the testimonies we have and one of the best testimonies we have, well, it was testimonies that were given uh, that people were say without asking in the in the visitors' book. They wrote comments about the exhibitions they saw, about the work of the artist, about the sense of pride to to see that there is so much creativity on the continent. The next guest is Roberta Anan from Ghana. She's had a really fascinating career. She trained as a scientist in the U.S at Georgetown University. But now, she runs several investment and venture capital funds, including the Impact Fund for African Creatives, IFAC. She also founded the African Fashion Foundation, which puts money into companies run by fashion designers. For her, respect comes down to money. She's passionate about helping creative people turn their ideas into successful businesses. I started the discussion by asking her the same question I asked Sonia. How do we get Africans to respect artists? Yeah, I mean, Claude, thank you so much for inviting me to, to be part of this podcast. I think it's a very important topic for us to discuss. It's really an educational thing. You know, we need to change mindsets and we need to educate, especially the older generation, to start accepting creativity as an asset class that is investable that can actually make uh, money and revenue. So if you look at it in other asset classes, let's say technology, real estate, oil and gas, you know, what happens is immediately people see, because these are all tangible, they see the immediate ROI. And how do you build intangible infrastructure? You know, what I call intangible infrastructure. And one thing that I've been doing through the foundation, which is the African Fashion, fashion Foundation that was set 10 years ago with a strong focus on the fashion industry, um, is really looking at how to build initial infrastructure 
around people's creative ideas, right? Um, it's really, um, you know, if it's a difficult thing to do, it's a difficult thing to kind of um, create value out of something that is not tangible, right? So things like intellectual property. And then people are like, you know, how do you make money from intellectual property alone? Um, so that is a thing I've, through the foundation and even through this new fund, which was just launched in October. Tell us about the fund. Yeah. So the Impact Fund for African Creatives is basically um, a vehicle that is looking to bring much needed capital to the creative economy on the continent. Um, and we are looking at the entire gamut of creativity, right? So 16 subsectors from music to film to fashion to culinary arts to, you know, literature to publishing, uh, architecture. So what we're looking to do is, first of all, we have three stages of investment. The first stage for us is the incubation stage. And what we do is we have programs normally around nine to 12 months of putting creative businesses into into incubators and funding between 10,000 and 50,000 euros per creative to help go from an ideation state to actually building something, which is a prototype. So from the incubation stage, then if that comes in where we look at the um, um, acceleration of the businesses and the acceleration is normally a shorter period of time, but more funding um, and it's 50,000 to 250,000 euros per, per creative business. And then from that stage, we then look at the VC investment and the VC ticket size is 250,000 to 2 million euros. Mm-hmm. VC is in venture capital, just for those who, who don't know. So currently in our portfolio, we have three businesses in, on, at the VC that we've actually made investments into on the equity side. We're really excited because we want to change mindsets. Again, for us to you know educate people, we have to educate by doing, right? <laughs> so we're trying to create, to have creative unicorns, just like it's happening on the continent with tech. And once we are, we're able to get there, then we can attract more investment dollars into the sector. Because oftentimes, I think the reason why, mm-hmm. the, you know, um, our parents, you know, or, you know, the older generation don't really embrace creativity on the continent or for us to go into the field of being a creative is because they don't see the immediate return on investment or how we can, you know, kind of (laughs) use it as a tool for economic, you know, um, I'll say for us to be able to uh, have economic value. So we need to also have a mindset shift in that sense. We've talked to Sonia Lawson, a museum director and a gatekeeper for the cultural scene. We've talked to Roberta Anand, who's funding creative businesses to the tune of millions of dollars. Now we're going to speak to someone who's actually doing it, a real creative. Our journalist Nelson Mangueira spoke to DJ Eli, one of Angola's biggest DJs. Tell me this right. Being a DJ, obviously you end up being an artist too. What do you think should be done so that the African people in general have more respect for artists? How can we give greater respectability to the art made by your brothers, by the African people and African artists mainly? Well, Nelson, um, I think this is really a cultural issue. Um, Because if you think about it for many years, since the beginning of the world, Africans have been diminished. But nowadays, if you want to put it like this... Uh, It's kind of fashionable to be African. You see Americans recreating on top of our roots. 
So I think it's now necessary for Africans to become the biggest promoters of Africa. I cannot let Americans steal our identity, Europeans steal our identity, Asians steal our identity. Africans need to be proud of being African. And most of the time, what kills this pride of ours is the way we are governed. But thanks be to God, nowadays Africans have a voice in the world. African music is heard in all corners of the world. African music is gaining value and exposure every day. And it is necessary that those who govern Africa give a voice to this, because sometimes we're more valued outside Africa than inside Africa. So we need to change that context, change that picture. And I think that our governments can influence a lot. They are a key tool for this to change automatically. This is a question I really want to know the answer to. What was your parents' reaction when they found out about your career choice? Were they receptive? Do you think their reaction was different because you're their daughter? As incredible as it may seem, I can't say that my parents really reacted either for or against. Because at the time I was a teenager and they related it to the fact that ah, she's a teenager. It's just a joke that will fade away. It's just a moment which will go away. But uh, by the time they realized I was a professional in the industry. <laughs> Today they are one of the people who support me the most. They have a lot of respect and pride for the professional I have become. So thanks God on that side, yes. I had, let's say, I had kind of support. It wasn't direct support, but it was indirect support for my parents because they could have prevented it, but they didn't. So somehow they supported it. Thank you for contributing, DJ Ellie. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you to the whole team. I would like to say once again that people should believe in their dreams and chase after them. It is possible. Here I am, an Angolan DJ who will be lifting what was her dream and is here to make it come true day after day. I so enjoyed hearing from three very different women about the challenges and mostly the opportunities that African artists face. African artists need more exposure. They also need financial support. This will take time, but we have to remember, African creativity is our greatest natural resource. So I loved hearing DJ Ellie talk about living the dream. As you know, we're not looking for simple answers on this podcast. We believe Africa's potential is limitless and culture is key. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Grinitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scenefire Foundation.